Go Google for me. How many hydrogen bombs worth of energy does the sun release every second? God damn. That will blow your mind out there. People in Radio Land, find that out. That's your homework. And if you don't wake up the next morning and put on a robe with a sun on it <laughs> and found a church of sun worship, I don't know what we're doing. Oh, my God. You guys, this conversation that I had with my guest for today's episode was just it was so much fun. I got to talk about all the things I love talking about science and history and Burning Man and hope and skepticism and spirituality and depression and love. And that. All that good stuff, coupled with everything that's going on in the world right now, all the bad stuff, made me think of this amazing quote that you've probably heard before from astronaut Edgar D. Mitchell. And it's it's about seeing the Earth from the moon, which isn't exactly what this episode is about. It's about a different celestial body, but I think it kind of hits to the same heart. Because at its heart, this quote feels like it's about the ability of nature, especially on a mind-blowing scale, especially when space is involved, to inspire true awe into our minds. And how the things that make us our worst selves kind of crumble under that awe. So about seeing the Earth and the Moon, Mitchell says, You develop an instant global consciousness, a people orientation, an intense dissatisfaction with the state of the world, and a compulsion to do something about it. From out there on the moon, international politics looks so petty. You want to grab a politician by the scruff of the neck and drag him a quarter of a million miles out and say, Look at that, you son of a bitch. It ends strong, right? I love that one. Um... I think this episode has a similar feel. I'll let you guys be the judge. And speaking of you guys, you guys have been amazing. This last month has been the best month in this podcast history. It's been incredible, I, unprecedented. And that's because of you sharing and telling your friends about it. Every time you share, you post, you text an episode to a friend, it grows exponentially. I, I mean it. I Actually, don't quote me on that. I don't know the math. But please, guys, keep that up. I, I'm so flattered. I love it. Rate me on iTunes if you have the time. Share with anyone you know who needs a little silver lining in their crazy world. And to all my listeners listening in cities where I have no idea how you found out about it, like Atlanta or Tokyo or Bucharest, I don't know who you guys are, but I'm damn glad you're listening. And I hope you share with some friends. After a brief ad for another podcast on the Nerdist School Network, I'll be back with some more content. Have you ever been listening to NPR and thought to yourself, gosh, I love the human interest aspect, the dulcet voices of the hosts, the promise of totes, but I just hate how true it all is. That's where we come in. It's This American Lie, an hour of improvised NPR. We're a lot like that other show, but we make it all up in front of a live audience every second Saturday at the Nerdist School stage. Find show and ticket information at NerdistSchool.com or catch the podcast on the Nerdist School Network. Search for us on iTunes. Hi. Hi, podcast Hi. fans. You don't talk yet. Oh. You shut your, you shut oh, your sweet fine. little mouth. Um, <laughs> hey, guys. it's It's been a little bit since I've been in the booth. I probably say that every time I'm back. If you're curious about where we are in uh, this strata of dumpster fire the internet might have just gotten axed by uh mr ajit pai who can harlem shake at least so that blows but in a world where a bunch of rich men can decide that us poros don't deserve the internet at least there's the sun 
Guys, if I sound like I'm gushing right now, it's because I am. I'm with one of my uh, podcast icons, formerly of Cracked, Mr. Michael Swaim, and we're going to talk about uh, a little-known body uh, in the sky mm-hmm. called the, the... Soul, the sun, Amun-Ra, oh. life giver. Oh, Amun-Ra, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, can you introduce yourself to my... Uh, listeners who might not be cool enough to have ever listened to your podcast on crack. Oh, that's very kind, Alex. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Nice to meet you or say hi to you again. I'm Michael Swain, formerly of Cracked, as Alex said, currently of Small Beans and just being myself. Uh, for the first time in about 11 years, I oh, went God. right out of college into Cracked. That's amazing. That and you... now I'm, a, I'm an adult, I guess. <laughs> so you actually get to be yourself? You should talk to the Dalai Lama. Yeah. He's the only other person who does that. I've been playing the persona Michael Swaim, and now I've become the real Michael Swaim, who's sort of a dark phoenix character. <laughs> uh, I do fear my friends will one day have to hurl me into the sun. To, to kill d- you. Just to protect the universe. Yeah. Or Hugh Jackman will have to stab you. <laughs> that's the level of power that grows inside me. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's dirty. Um, so we're going to talk about the sun, but mm-hmm. before we do, our... Would you describe yourself as an optimist or a pessimist, neither both? Uh, I guess neither both is a handy thing to go with because I am definitely a real doubt-filled person, a skeptic, and a gray area person. I don't understand everyone's obsession with wanting to be right because I just view myself as going along for the ride and I happen to be this guy in this body and it could have been any other way. So I I don't have a lot of vested interest in like, Sticking to my guns and knowing things for sure. Uh, So I tend to be bouncing around a lot. Like I'm very open to being proven wrong and going, oh, I guess I've reversed my position on that. Yeah. And I'll reverse it again tomorrow. Um, So I'm kind of that guy. So there's moments where I would call myself an optimist, pessimist, and they sometimes flip back and forth 20 times a day, you know? Yeah, I love that. That's a very, that is the like stated scientific viewpoint, right? Oh, is like it? to be proven wrong and be just like chilled with it. Oh, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I don't understand. Or I said something to this effect recently to a friend was like, whoever goes out into an argument and leaves with new information that they've accepted instead of like put up a wall against won the argument. They're stronger and better now and they have more knowledge. Anyone who goes into an argument and leaves thinking like, fuck them, I was right there's a big chance you're overlooking the other side because there's very few issues where the other side doesn't have any points at all. Yeah. Um, and tying your identity to the idea that of an ideological position is just so bizarre to me. I, I completely 100% agree with you, and yet I do that so hard. There, I mean, there's things that, it, like, any extreme positions help. Yeah. Because, of course, I'm not saying I have no moral center or, like, you know, y- you can push me in hypotheticals and I'll go, like, Okay, my gut or heart just tells me where I stand on that moral issue, let's say. But I think people are way too dismissive of the fact that you can always walk it back a bit and walk it back a bit until you're in a very confusing gray area. Yeah. And I think that gray area is way more realistic to life. Right. Like everyone wants something boiled down to a soundbite. Unfortunately, that will never work. That's not a solution to anything. We were given like a complex universe and you have to attack it complexly. That it is. You're I don't know if it's fair to say that you are. Are you you're fairly skeptical? Like you're a skeptically minded guy. Yeah. Is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do you have any sort of spiritual feelings about stuff? 
It's funny you mention it, Alex. I'll ask you to look directly upwards at the sun. <laughs> we, if I look directly upwards, I see like a popcorn Uh-oh. ceiling. He's blowing it. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, guys. We're not outside right no. now. We're in the the grid of gray pyramids that you expect us to be in for a podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I do think uh, the as far as metaphysical belief, it's funny because I I'm very logical and skeptical minded, and yet. Uh, as a big sci-fi guy, I think I share with some of my heroes like Bradbury and Harlan Ellison that the workings of the universe itself and science and physics, and especially these days quantum physics, is to me the spiritual dimension of the universe. And I think we just mislabel it because we feel like, oh, a scientist can vaguely explain how the sun came into existence and why it is that way. Therefore, that must not be God. It absolutely is. Like uh, I've separated the four spectra, the cultural, mm-hmm. the physical, the metaphysical, and the quantum physical. Damn. And <laughs> I, I want to quickly- And spectra is a sun joke. I, I just need to point God. out. I want to <laughs> jump in. So I, I met Michael digitally through Greg, one of my uh, former podcast guests. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, you should totally talk to Michael Swaim about being on your podcast. And I was like, the Michael Swaim on my podcast? Uh, I- uh, uh, if only so I reached out to him and I was like yeah so here's the podcast here's what's up and he shot back to me like six different ideas of like well I could talk about this 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 and he's like wow you just informed the rest of my year oh season. man that's so kind they of were all really good ideas and the son the son was like well that's I don't know if we could talk about that and I I always leave it up to my guests sure. to make the last decision he's like I'm talking about the son motherfucker <laughs> like oh, okay uh what do you have and he was like all of this like, yeah Oh, okay, you're right. Yeah, there's a lot of shit to talk about with the sun. Well, Um, I've been a sun worshiper for a long time. Absolutely. When you say worshiper, because, okay, I can get pretty out there with my my hippie Mm -hmm. fun times. I'm a burner. I go to Burning Man almost every year. Yeah. But I have never worshipped the sun. What do you mean when you say sun worshiper? Even uh, so, under the effects of a hallucinogen, you've never thought that light bouncing off a surface is like there's God in that or that's the essence of all or that I mean I think a classic revelation people have on acid and it's scientifically backable is that all matter is light condensed into slow vibrations yeah no that's blown my mind from time to time and we are all made of stardust like the stars okay so I guess here's what I'm getting at is I really do mean worship because I don't understand the difference between an all-powerful being that lives in the sky that provides the energy for all life and dictates the course of all life, and the sun. <laughs> the sun is an infinitely powerful thing that is in the sky. Yeah. That is the source of all life, is the only reason life exists on the planet, allows us to perceive reality we could not see without light, and literally created us in its image the sun is the galactic factory that pumps out the materials that drift down to prehistoric Earth that become your human physical body in a very direct, like, physical way. We all come from the sun. We will all return to the sun when it absorbs us as a red dwarf. Yeah. And uh, furthermore, it's uh, historically, it is the thing that has been worshipped by the most people over the— like, if you, t- if you could resurrect every human who was ever alive— and say, what do you worship? Sun would be the most popular answer uh, in various guises. Right, across like Helios, all samples. Yeah. Ra, etc. Yeah. And I'll tell you the other aspect why I feel like 
I'm not just waxing philosophical. I uh, because I think I feel like that's what you're getting at. And that's totally a great question is like, are you just saying this is a fun thing like you'd put on your Facebook profile? <laughs> and as I was driving over here, I realized, no, I really would attend church services if they existed for a sun worship. And the reason being, I really love religion. What I love about religion I think there is a great goodness in organizing a community, feeling a kinship, blah, 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 blah. Everything I hate about religion is all the things you'd expect me to hate. Yeah. I also don't see the reason why we look up in the sky and see the sun and it's obviously God that we have to turn it into a person. We're like, we, we as cavemen, I guarantee we worship the sun. And I'm talking out of my ass, but I just <sighs> feel it in my bones. And then at some point someone was like, I bet it's a guy that looks like me. <laughs> and I just think that was the crucial mistake. Because when you try to take the ineffable of the universe and be like, but what are the 10 rules that it literally is? Well, now there's a basis for you to have war yeah. and crusades and etc. And humanity will always have differences of opinion. I guess I don't see why religion has to be anything other than a coming together of community and something I feel like everyone could agree on. It's like the Esperanto of religions. <laughs> the sun. What if you went to Sun Church and all everyone was agreeing on is that the sun is the source of life on Earth and we think that's keen? That's pretty cool. Then you yeah. could like have mixers, like each other, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like you would have that extended community feeling of being in a religion mm -hmm. and you could invent holidays and etc. You wouldn't need to invent holidays. That's all true. holidays are, mo not all, most many holidays are solar based, except for, you know, lunar uh, yeah. cultures like my own uh, as, a, as a Jewish man. Gotcha. Uh, but a lot of holidays are about the sun already. And I don't know if this counts, but the moon, of course, only visible as a reflection of the sun. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I feel like we could all chill on that, go home from Sun Church, and believe whatever you want to believe about there is or there isn't an afterlife. Like, actually remove those from, call that metaphysical thought, not religion. Yeah. Religion is just a place where you go and have punch and hang out. <laughs> punch. And everything's chill for a while. Yeah. So I think what, <laughs> what I'm vibing on and what you're talking about is it's a sense of awe which is a part of worship the so what has always thrown me off about any sort of spiritual belief or metaphysical belief is the attachment of consciousness to a thing mm -hmm. and you can try to you can spool out consciousness to mean things other than the way that humans are conscious but the attachment of some kind of consciousness or design or control outside of like you know just wh whatever you feel about predestination that is what i'm talking sure. about and that has always thrown me off. But as far as being in absolute awe of nature and the sun as just the greatest mascot of nature that a human could possibly have, <laughs> I'm right along with you. Because you mentioned we're all made of stardust, which is my mm – -hmm. that is the most, like, white girl tattoo of all that of Carl Sagan's get, right, work. But, yeah. like, I do – I tear up whenever I hear Carl Sagan's voice. He is, like, my prophet. Like I cry oh, yeah. when I think about Sagan. Good choice. And a little bit a little bit Tyson. Tyson is like sure. my cool my cool new church pastor with the guitar. He's you know? you're right. He's doing honor to he knows how cool Sagan was just like you do. He's got it. He gets it. And he's trying to bring it back for the new generation. Yeah, because he's like a really hip, cool, athletic black dude. Right. He was an amazing wrestler. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. He That's was hilarious. a collegiate wrestler, almost never lost. Neil wow. Gas Tyson. Excellent. Well, he has a yeah. strong knowledge of physics that helps That's, with leverage. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe his strong knowledge of wrestling gave him the physical. It's like, oh, 
they spin around the center of the universe like this right. dude spins around my hips as, when, I, as I slam him yeah. into the mat. Ugh, yeah. physics, motherfucker. I love, because Einstein, supposedly, I think it's apocryphal probably, came up with special relativity while looking at a clock while bored in class and realizing that the numbers on the face of the clock, what the clock reads, he only knows the second the light hits his eyes because then his brain can decode the shape of the clock, but actually the clock is already infinitesimally further ahead than it was. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. In the same way that sun, the sun, the light we see on earth is eight minutes old already. If the sun suddenly disappeared, we wouldn't know for eight minutes because there's still light pouring in. And uh, I just like that Tyson was like, I need something more visceral than that. <laughs> I'm going to beat dudes up and that'll jostle the brain I'll cells learn loose. physics yeah. through my mastery of the physical form. Yeah. He was also very good looking as a young man, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And now, I'd yeah, say. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He, he's matured into quite the silver fox. Yeah. Uh, this isn't about my fanfic, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. This is about the sun. So, okay, we were. I guess I was bringing up that I felt like you're talking about awe. Is that fair? It's definitely a huge component of it, and I think I have that off for Mother Earth, quote-unquote, as well. Or, like, the only time I really feel, feel spiritual and, like, my religious friends who do sometimes feel like I had a moment with God just there, whatever God they mm-hmm. subscribe to, I can only resonate with that at certain moments that I've been alone in nature. And so I guess that's God to me, and I agree that... My big hang-up with ascribing to any particular religion is, as I said, I'm a doubtful person who has no desire to know everything and quickly assumed that I will never know everything. So I don't feel like, who am I to ever know the answer of whether there's an afterlife or not? I'm not going to know. I, I just won't know. Yeah. So it's hard for me to subscribe to any religion that is like, I, we we know we're pretty sure. I'm like I don't think you do. Yeah. Oh, unless you're totally different than like, is there some way of living life that feels totally alien to me, um, where God comes in your head and speaks to you? Because I'm not getting that. But I do experience moments of great awe, um, gratitude to be alive, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then when you get to the other dimension of religion, which I think is the mysteriousness aspect, because uh, I mean many great writers have said that religion sort of takes the shape of whatever is unknown. Um, you know, when you're a caveman, like whatever's out there in the dark, you can think is God must be the answer. Then you figure out how stuff works. You figure out how fire works. You don't need a God of fire, blah, blah, blah. You get to the point where God is just the feeling of consciousness or humanity. It becomes whatever you can't understand is God's domain. And I think now that we're investigating light on the quantum physics level, like, is it too long-winded if I give an encapsulation of the double-slit experiment? Uh, no, I love the double-slit okay, experiment. Okay, yeah. So for layman, and I highly recommend just like Wikipediaing it. Or try to read Feynman and there then realize that it's incredible. Even though he's a charming, charming old dude, he's very hard to read. He's hard to read, and it's funny how he got so smart that he didn't know like what, how humans work. Because <laughs> uh, my best friend is a high-level physicist and would play, when he was my roommate, Feynman lectures all the time. And there's like quotes where it's like, how can a smart guy be this dumb? He go, he's trying to explain a very high level physics concept. And he goes like, uh, so like, for example, let's say uh, you're trying to prove love is good, right? Well, things are good and love's the thing, but that doesn't mean all love is good. Are you following me? And people are like, yeah, we're doctorates in physics. <laughs> like, get back to the muons and tachyon fields, you know? Um, but yeah, where was I going? Oh, the double double slit slit experiment, which is not a dirty thing. It's yeah. 
I love that it was first done in like 1890s. It sounds really dirty. Back but... when everyone like would refuse to show their ankles, but the double slit experiment, that's it was fine. a time when things were so clean that phrasing was not a thing. <laughs> right. Because no one even knew what that could possibly mean. Right. Like I just read a Vonnegut story, and this is way later, obviously, that he wrote in like the 40s. But it's all about a guy who sells pipe and calls himself Mr. Pipe. And all he says is about how much his wife loves his pipe and he has great pipe and she's very interested in his pipe. <laughs> and he didn't mean any of what you're thinking. You know what I mean? Really? Like, even Vonnegut didn't mean it? I guarantee from the way the story's shaped, it's like, not a moment for a comedy break. It's a very serious subject. And you're like, you just do not know what you're, what kind of pipe you're putting out wow. there, Mr. Vonnegut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, the double wet slit experiment. I think I added something in there. You put two sl- vertical slits in any blockade and you shine a light through it. And this basically, the first incarnation of it just proved that light is a wave, is what they thought. Because if light were a particle, and the easy way to think about it is like if light were just a bunch of rocks and you threw them one at a time through the slits, the light coming out the other side should look like the number 11, two slits. Like the rocks would just come out where they go in. Instead, you get this crazy interference pattern. And I don't know enough math, but the people who did know enough math knew that by analyzing that pattern, it proves that the things are acting like waves when they go through. Then when it gets crazy is people have done this experiment over and over in different ways. And the first thing that's crazy is if you shoot light one photon at a time through the slits. So literally you are throwing rocks through the slits one at a time. It will still slowly build up the interference pattern by only hitting in places where the interference pattern should be at that ratio, which means the single photon is somehow, quote unquote, aware that it should behave as a wave, even when you treat it as a particle. Then the craziest thing of all, and this is where I'm like, to me, this is as ineffable as anything like Jesus can be both the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Like, to me, this is like mystical Trinity shit. It's as crazy as anything can be. If you put a detector on the slits that detects which slit the particle went through as you're firing it, the particles do act like particles, which means literally, I mean, this is how I have to personify it. This can't be true. I I just can't believe it. But it's as if the particles are like, all right, everyone, act like waves. <laughs> oh, they think we're particles? Keep acting like waves. Uh-oh, they're looking at us. Act, act cool, act like a particle. No one knows why. No one I mean, there's theories, but these are the theories that are still being debated. String theory and all this right, stuff. Right, like parallel universe theory. Right, right? M theory. Yeah. And it basically what it gets at is the next level of human understanding is that the universe... The underlying laws of the universe are even crazier than we thought. Like Newton figured out all this stuff about gravity. Einstein figured out all this stuff about light. There's still a deeper level that works like magic that we do not understand. And they're calling parts of it like charmed quarks. And it all sounds very magical. Very magical. And uh, one of the great uh, things that they've learned from the study of quantum physics is that it's highly likely that we live in a probabilistic universe. So like at some base level... Newtonian physics isn't totally true. There's other things at work, dark matter, strange forces we don't right. understand. And I guess I don't need any religion outside of that. I, <laughs> I feel the same way. The place where that really... So I'm a very skeptical person, but mm-hmm. I, I keep telling my friends this. I'm working on being less cynical. Sure. But the place we where my are. cynicism really, like the claws come out, is when you talk about this with people and then they're like, oh, okay, cool. So that explains like 
how I'm able to read other people's minds because, you know, things will interact across different spaces. Sure. And you're like, well, that isn't actually how the physics works. That isn't what the physics is explaining. Maybe there's something there, but like, don't read into what we're, all we're saying is that this particle can connect with another particle, like a million miles away. We're not trying to say anything else by it right now, you know? Like, right. Yeah. You're talking about like a quantum entanglement. I'm quantum yeah, entanglement, yeah. yeah. Well, do you think, but... I feel like you'd be more willing to grant that we have, you know, we have these helmets now that like you could play a simple video game with your mind. Right. Like you can play Pong by thinking I want the paddle to go up or down and it, it's good enough to figure out what you're thinking. Couldn't that technology advance to the point where you send a text by just thinking the text? Absolutely. That technology could. So I guess I can't discount that human brains can be linked. Sure, there's tons of stuff we haven't done yet that we could figure out we someday. We could figure out. I can't <laughs> discount it. It's just that like extraordinary claim, extraordinary evidence. I don't have that extraordinary evidence for what mm. feels like a very extraordinary claim yet. And even though it's super cool, like I don't want to oh. I don't want to be told that a thing is this when you have no good proof for it. I think that's the heart, the beating heart of X-Files. Are you like me, someone who you're super skeptical, but your whole life, like, I would give anything to legitimately see a ghost or a UFO and be proven wrong. Like, I would love to yeah, be like, I, would I, I cannot explain that. And even but, though you still know it could, it's way more likely that it's some kind of hallucinogen flashback yes. or toxin in your brain, you still want to believe. I want to believe, Mulder. Uh, your man, Jack O'Brien, yep. like, I heard him talking on his new podcast, Daily Zeitgeist, Very which nice. friend of the show, Katie stole got me into they're talking about basketball players and how like these dudes are magical they're superheroes right especially they say which is i don't know because i actually i've never been to an nba game they're yeah. like and jack's dad is a famous nba coach so he's seen a bunch of games courtside or gotten to see them practice and shit and he's like you watch it on tv and it's like a little video game with characters when you see it in life it's like how is a guy the size of the Hulk jumping as high as Spider-Man? Yeah. How is this happening? Like yeah. this is, and that is magic. Like that's yeah. magic to me and it's real magic and that's fucking amazing. And that, I guess like I am segueing, but it gets us back to the sun mm -hmm. because every fucking day this thing rises yeah. Uh, and it doesn't rise. We like spin exactly. and then we see it. I was like, I got yeah. bad news. No, I got for bad you, news for you, buddy. Copernicus, uh, motherfucker. Earth ain't flat. And uh, <laughs> hey, Earth ain't flat. I'm spinning here. Um, and every like constantly, it's spinning around like a giant black hole in the center, and that's spinning around all this shit. And like, well, this is magic. And then you when know? you start figuring, trying to reckon with the sheer numbers. That is magic. Like, there's yeah. already more than your brain can comprehend. Just in the amount of stuff. When they're like, yes, and it's one of a trillion stars in our galaxy, which is one of a trillion galaxies, and all the matter visible makes up 8% of them. There's, like, this thing called dark matter that we don't know what it is that's 10 times as large. We're like, wow, we're just... Nothing. And that's when you start <laughs> crying on your mushroom trip. Uh, that's about, when you go yeah. to Burning Man. Right. Yeah. That's exactly. Have you been? Once and only once. And then my girlfriend, who's a social worker, who's very progressive, has felt that they don't do enough to include minorities and people of color. I absolutely agree with your girlfriend. And I completely agree with the sentiment. But it's easy for her to say because she had already gone like nine times. Uh, and so she's like, and I'm done with it. And I'm like a guy who's only gone once. And it's absolutely my vibe. And, you know, they say there's nothing more excited than the person going there second time. Because, of course, now I'm like, 
I'm going to make an art car. It's going to look yeah. like this. We need a big group with themes and gifts. And we're going to give the gifts away. And she's like, I'm over Burning Man. So I'm looking for a group that will let me tag along. Let's stay in communication. 2018, that. you're coming with I'm me. I'm always looking to go okay, back personally. Yeah. Let's talk about you and the sun mm-hmm. during. So, okay. This year has sucked for many, many people. Uh, sure. Are you one of those people? Yes, both on the macro and micro level. The last three years have been the hardest years of my life, probably, personally. Uh, are you comfortable? Aside from the news. Absolutely. Yeah, tell uh, us why, aside I've, from the news. I've been exploring this elaborately in some of my shows, which we'll plug at the end. Oh, please. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was in a car accident when I was nine, got brain damage. Ever since then, I've grappled with chronic clinical depression, um, by which I mean... Real depression, quote unquote, grief is real, trauma is real, but I mean inexplicable clinical depression just because your brain got hit, which meant for no reason at all I'd be totally empty and hollow and dead inside for six months and it would take medication to get me out of it. Then I'd be gone for a couple years and come back. Uh, Also runs in my family, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, for the last few years it cracked for personal reasons. The job was not a good fit for me and I'm not like slagging on cracked. But from my point of view, it had gotten to a bad place. I started drinking heavily uh, because I was depressed about the way my career. I'm really fulfilled by what I do artistically. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel that I was doing anything important or that I ever had reason to hope that anyone would ever give me a chance to work on anything important again. And that was a depressed thought that was unreasonable to think. But I was stuck in that thought for a good three years. And for me... It took quitting the job to sort of break out of that. So it's like I quit the job like eight weeks ago and I'm in a golden age. Like you caught me at a good time. I'm incredibly excited and happy. It's amazing how quickly a lot of my issues resolved when I was able to engage again with artistic work I love because that's just how I'm built. I was here to do that. And if I can't do that, I start to self-destruct. So it was just tough for that reason. Uh, And, you know, being depressed and living with someone it hurts the dynamic. Mm. Uh, so, and then you feel guilty about like, I know I'm depressed. I know it sucks to be around me. I bet I drive you away. <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecy. Like they come to you and they're like, no, I love you so much. And you're like, no, I'll drive you away. Watch, I'll find a way, you know? Um, but yeah, uh, I'd lo- almost all that is behind me as of this point. Mazel tov. Thank you very much. But tough, tough years. And then as someone who's plugged into the global scene, for sure, not just American political climate, but believing as I do that it seems likely that we're five percent into the sixth extinction already. Like I think, uh, if not me, my children will oversee a very somber time on Earth. Like I actually believe. I mean, I believe that we're too technological and too advanced to die out completely. Mm. I think we could fuck the Earth pretty hard. And there will be humans a thousand years later because they'll re- rebuild. But life as we know it, like I do believe there's an apocalyptic event possibility out there. Yeah. Which I didn't think 10 years ago. I didn't. I didn't either. I was firmly in the camp of like, well, that's just great stuff for movies. But mm-hmm. now, like even looking back, like we everyone's kind of felt like something might be around the corner since what the 70s right like i saw that movie day after tomorrow i thought it was so silly and now i'm like they should have called it tomorrow it's much (laughs) sooner than they think so how does the sun maybe not get you out of that but when you're at your 
quote unquote darkest. See, it's impossible to even escape these metaphors. Exactly. Yeah. That's another thing is I, I love language. I love etymology and the sun is so woven in our language and culture. Um, I, I, I don't, I could, there's no way to prove this, but I posit that like other than the word love references to the sun and stars are the, like the number one song topic. Here comes the sun. There's always the sun. I'll follow the sun. Like, other than human love, there's no topic we like to talk about more. And yet people love making the observation that, man, it's funny how all songs are either about being young, having fun, having sex, love. But they'd always forget that, like, also there's this whole genre of sun worship songs and they're the best, most cheerful songs, Walking on Sunshine. Yeah. And they often, the other songs you just mentioned often have sun motifs or sun metaphors in them somewhere. There's Always the Sun by the Stranglers is a song that there's like a handful of songs that will take me out of a depression. Um, music can be powerful. There are depressions that are so powerful that music is bullshit. Like music <laughs> is not going to affect it. But There's Always the Sun by the Stranglers. Yes, that's actually when you invited me on the podcast. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Um, the first thing that came to my mind was that song. And that's why I said we should talk about the sun. Hell yeah. So yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that song. They're this like hard edged band that mostly writes about depression, murder, war, corruption, heroin addiction. <laughs> and for some reason they have this one song called there's always the sun. And it's just this beautiful, haunting, uplifting ballad about how it's okay. This could all go to shit. We would, we could all die out. The sun will still be there. And I don't know why that gets me and other things don't, but the constancy of that concept is a place I can go to. Um, feeling warmed. Like when I'm depressed, getting outside, feeling sun on my skin and feeling warmed. I'm sure there's a vitamin D connection, you know, seasonal <laughs> yeah. affective disorder, whatever. But I just equate being in the sun with it being much more difficult to be depressed. Yeah. It, it is hard. I am a grouch. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm off. I don't think it would be fair for me to say that I am a depressive person. Sure. I've had my moments. Like I think everybody, but I'm a bit of a grouch, but when the sun hits you just right, yeah, you know, like you get warm kind of all over and you almost feel like a cat. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. I think I'm okay for a little bit now. And, the visual of the sun in the sky very frequently, so frequently that we take it for granted is objectively like if you could just exist with no knowledge of anything and be born as a fresh soul into the world and just see a Southern California sunset on a good day. I don't know how as a caveman you wouldn't be like, well, that's God directly right there. I'm looking at it. Well, that's that's it. That's the reason for everything. Yeah, the sky is the sky with the sun in the right position is so staggeringly beautiful. I don't know when I'm depressed. The way I describe it is, whatever's in front of me is bullshit. So that's why you end up taking it out on your loved ones because yeah. they're around you, uh-huh. and you'll go like, "I'm so sad. Something must be wrong. Is it your fault?" <laughs> but when you look at a sunset, you're like, "Well." I might not feel the full measure of joy I should be feeling, which is a good, it's a good red flag. That's how mm. I know I'm depressed now. But I would never call that bullshit. Like yeah. that sunset is objectively not bullshit. No one can call that bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard of the philosopher, I hate saying his name because he's like Swiss, even though he has an English accent. Balzac. Yeah, but no. <laughs> uh, but uh, Hélène de Botton. Alan de Botton. Yes. Yes. I, Do you know what I'm referencing? No. Um, Just a name my brain. It's like, you heard it at one point in school. Yeah. Maybe on, <laughs> maybe actually on On Being, which we talked sure. about, Krista Tippett's podcast. Mm-hmm. 
he has this great book. It's just a short little tract called Religion for Atheists. Mm-hmm. I love that because it's like he starts off by saying there's nothing more boring than a debate between an atheist and a believer. Who cares? Yeah. Right. That no one's going to get anywhere. Instead, as atheists, because he's writing to atheists, why don't we look at all the good shit we've lost by leaving religion? Yes, we've left certain things that don't work for us, like mm-hmm. belief in a higher consciousness that's dictating things. Especially dictating the social order. That's where you start to get into trouble. Yeah. Right? God said women are subservient. You're right. like, well, this is fucked now. Yeah, I don't You I ruined don't, it. Right. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, instead, like, well, we lost feast days and we lost awe and we lost. Um, civic buildings because people try mm. to replace that shit with like museums and yeah. nobody goes to a museum to I feel odd. Do you really? Museums. But do you go to an art museum to feel what a believer feels at church? I'll say yes, but only insofar as I am counting the avant-garde art gallery that exists on the playa at Burning Man. Yeah, as that a doesn't count. That's that not is what a museum. <laughs> it is, but that isn't what we're talking about because that's already like a sanctified space. I do. I go because I do find awe in art, uh, like paintings as well. I personally love museums and go to them seeking awe. L.A. museums I've found severely lacking, I will say. What have what you found The Getty is just like doesn't – nothing in it fills me with that feeling of awe. But I finally got to go to the Met in Manhattan for the first time, and that was like I could spend days and days and days. So, yes, I guess – it can become an awe-inspiring experience if it's one of the world's best museums. Because the other one is the Louvre. When I was right. at the Louvre, I felt like it was a religious experience. I mean, you're looking at a like a statue of a sphinx with wings that's nine feet high, solid stone, and you read the placard, and it says it dates from 100,000 BC. Like that fills you with very interesting feelings of continuity. It's amazing. Well, that's you know? different than an art museum. I mean, that's a history museum. Yeah. Long, hi- long history fills me with awe. Yeah, so like uh, in San Diego, the Natural History Museum, I actually think does a great job of giving you these moments of like, man, there were people that long ago yeah, doing this stuff did just great like shit. me. Wow. The best museum I've ever been to is uh, the Museum of England, like the History Museum okay. in England. Uh, I lived there for a little bit in college, and... On weekends, I I decided when I was there, I would just engage in misanthropy, like mm-hmm. instead of pretending I like people. So on weekends, sure. I just go to the history museum and walk around like the ancient like architecture, like the giant sphinxes from Ur and shit. Yeah. And, and I will say yeah. the one painter that fills me with a religious experience is Rembrandt, who I later found out is nicknamed the painter of light. So that takes us back to the sun. <laughs> you're very, very affected by light. Do yes. you, um, when you're out in nature, does gradients of light affect you? Very much so. Yeah, they highly affect my mood more so even than music, which a lot of people have noted about me around me in my life are like, yeah, you don't seem you like get really bummed out when the I used to uh, mildly be concerned. I had that sundowners thing, but you're not 80. Right. But only in so far as I used to when in a period of depression, like sob bitterly every time I became aware that the light in the sky was becoming lesser, like was waxing. Wow. Waning. Uh, Like the idea that the day was ending filled me with the idea that symbolically my life is ending, all things end, death, death, death. (laughs) And it literally was triggered just by like, oh, I can tell it's early afternoon now by the light. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, light super affects me. I don't think I could ever live in a dark place and just rely on the lamp. Like Finland? Exactly. Like it's a cool idea. 
that there's no sun for six months, but it would destroy me mentally. Yeah. They, I uh, had a Finnish friend in college, and they're like, they have a lot of depression there during the winter because yeah. yeah. there's no sun. Absolutely. They have to do stuff to get vitamin D into their bodies. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't have double rainbow video without the sun. <laughs> I knew I, I had to mention yeah, that at some point. That. Yeah. And hallucinogens. That's a double whammy. <laughs> right. Which are two things that go great together. So, okay. We've heard why personally the sun is good. Sure. We've heard why culturally the sun is good because of everything. Literally, there would be nothing. Right. No culture without it. Yes. Is there anything you think that people might not think about? when it comes to the sun that they ought to know next time they look up at the sky? Simply that it is the measure of all things in a literal sense. It is the alpha and the omega, and I'm using religious wording on purpose. I don't think people appreciate enough that all the attributes you would assign to any kind of God the sun is doing right now in front of your dumb face. Can we play this as a game? Uh, Yeah, so it's the alpha... Because it was the very first thing to exist in our conception of any activity, mm-hmm. like any anything above, uh, you know, zero Kelvin. Uh, and it is the omega because it, it will, without a doubt, be the last standing body in the solar system. And it is teaching us everything we need to know because the speed of light being a constant is what enabled Albert Einstein to decode all the other laws of physics. Um All the information, including this podcast entering your ears, is transmitted via impulses of light. Uh, The very idea that life is either light or dark created the concept of binariness and duality, which even allows the human brain to contemplate the idea of a metaphysical space that is dually opposed to the physical space. None of this shit is there without the sun. (laughs) Uh, This has been fucking dope. Is there anything that you have not touched on that you feel like you would be doing us a disservice talking about the awfulness in the world sure. and the sun uh the awfulness in the world is just like a 19 hour conversation so i don't know what to say okay and it'll be things i think the savvy people are already up on like yeah. the unintended consequence of the greatness of the internet is we all found these little media bubbles and that's cheapened the value of truth and when you cheapen the value of like facts and truth all kinds of crazy shit just starts popping off and chaos in the system rises. Um, so that, but like that's in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, as far as the sun goes, because I, I love that the podcast is more a, a salve to all that. Uh, I just highly encourage you to investigate the sun and research it and decide for yourself because there's no single factoid about the sun that doesn't blow your goddamn mind. A million Earths could fit inside it if it were hollow. Like the temperature at the center of the sun. All this stuff. Study the speed of light. Why is the speed of light the way it is? Why is that thing in movies where they fold a piece of paper in half and stick a pencil through it? Total impossible bullshit. Wait, 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 what? Tell me this. There's like four movies, Interstellar probably being the most notable recent one, where someone says... How does how would you ever travel faster than the speed of light? And they go, well, the universe is a piece of paper, and you fold it, and now the points are touching, and you just punch a hole through the points. No, you can't, because the sun says you can't. That sounds dumb. Look up the cosmological constant. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, you're dropping some NDT on us right now. Yeah, fiber optics, everything. And there's just even, like, factoids about the sun blow your mind. Like, literally just its size and output. Uh, I think it 
see, I'm going to say it wrong and it's going to be less impressive than it really is. But like, go Google for me. How many hydrogen bombs worth of energy does the sun release every second? God damn. That will blow your mind out there. People in Radio Land, find that out. That's your homework. And if you don't wake up the next morning and put on a robe with a sun on it <laughs> and found a church of sun worship, I don't know what we're doing. Oh, fuck. That, that's how I want to end this conversation. Excellent. Where can people find you, Michael? Right now, after the Great Crack Diaspora, uh, I'm very excitedly launching uh, a new scene that we hope uh, right now it's me, Abe Epperson, Adam Ganser, all old cracked hands, but Katie Stoll's heavily involved already. We reached out to Starlene Hodge and a lot of other cracked faces, uh, Cody Johnson, of course, people that we thought deserve play or even could have gotten more play. So we're going to try and uh, make some fun stuff with our cracked friends over at Small Beans. That's the Hell name yeah. of the new thing. Okay. Um, right now we're mostly releasing podcasts. We got four shows running. You can find them all at the Small Beans podcasting feed anywhere you get podcasts. And when we start releasing videos, those will all be at patreon.com slash smallbeans. Dope. What are the <laughs> names of the podcasts? Are you allowed to say those? Absolutely. Uh, we have a weekly podcast called Extra Extra, which is something I've always wanted to do. It's just my news jokes. Me <laughs> making fun of the news. Okay. I, it's not original. It's what John Oliver does. It's what Stephen Colbert used to do. It's me doing it. Um, that comes out every Tuesday. It's called Extra Extra. Uh, and I do the entire thing in that voice. Oh, wonderful. I really have wanted to hear you do that voice for about Read an hour all about it. Oh, uh, this just in. Yes. Donald more. Trump's still a scrotum. Ooh, fuck extra, yeah. extra. Um, we've got a great show called Tales from the Pit about struggles with depression and other uh, mental challenges. First episode just came out. People are responding very well to that. Features an interview with my mom about her struggles with depression and sex sexual assault. Um, that's our very brave, powerful, serious series. Uh, for people who like on being and things like that. And then we got two standard fun ones that I think all your Nerdist audience would certainly groove with. Uh, one called Frame Rate, the podcast where we rate frames. That's our <laughs> movies podcast. And one called One Upsmanship, but One Up spelled the way a video gamer would spell it. That's our video games podcast. Oh, dope. I love All that. of that going on at once. Fuck yeah, guys. Please find <laughs> those podcasts. Uh, Twitter, Instagram. Twitter, I am at SwaimCorp. S-W-A-I-M underscore C-O-R-P. Thank you. You're much better at plugging than I am. I've I listened to, to do so many podcasts that yeah. I, this is all just- uh, Second nature. Yeah, now. second nature. Well, this is our first, this is my first week being like the shepherd of a team of podcasts, so I'm still learning. That's yeah. very exciting. <laughs> I, I can't wait to listen to those. Uh, fans of this show, whoever you guys are, uh, I have people listening in like Singapore, and that's, that's isn't awesome. that crazy? Yeah. Um, Thank you. I, I love you guys. Please rate, share, subscribe. This is mostly shared through. Uh, I forget to say yeah, that you, every time. You have to say you that. Have it's, to say that. It's like a mantra. Mm -hmm. uh, this is mostly a word of mouth podcast. So I would love uh, any spread of any spread of mouth you that you could give me. I learned that from Griffin McElroy. <laughs> um, also, if you guys want to find me, I'm on Instagram at at least pod. I'm also on Facebook. Same thing at at least pod. I should probably get on Twitter. Twitter scares the fuck out of me, but I ought to get on Twitter so you guys can find me there. Maybe I'll be on Twitter at at least pod as well. Have a great week. If you are driving, uh, make sure to look over your shoulder if you're trying to merge. And if you're folding laundry, I, I don't know how you do it. Have a great two weeks, and I'll talk to you all next time. Bye.
For class and show information, visit Nerdistschool.com.